Gray, a John Maxwell Certified Leadership Coach. Welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership, where we discuss everything pertaining to life, love, and leadership. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Tom Ray, and welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership. And I'm joined on the line once again with my friend and co-host, Ken Shelton. Hi, Ken. Hey, Tom. Nice to be with you again this morning, and hello to all of our listeners. We usually begin our podcast with an attitude of gratitude, and I'd like to kick that off, Tom, with a word that I think is fitting, water. (laughs) (laughs) I'm grateful for water for many reasons. Number one, something we take for granted that it'll always be there until it's not, and when it's not, it's a desperate moment. Just ask the nice people up in Flint, Michigan, or those who have seen a uh, a significant drop in the supply of water in America's Southwest. So uh, water is my attitude of gratitude. Jesus said that he was the living water, and he gave us uh, an image, uh, a word picture to help us understand that his goal is to refresh us. And then the Bible also says that the person who refreshes often will himself also be often refreshed. Hmm. And so water is where I am today. Just don't throw it on me. Just let me make the choice. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Tom? What's your attitude of gratitude? Uh, um, My attitude of gratitude today is inspiration. Um, I'm thankful for inspiration. Now, um, I'd like to marry that with motivation. Um, And typically when we're inspired, we're, we're motivated. And uh, I host a leadership think tank uh, every Monday morning from eight to nine. And it's wonderful to get on there and just share some inspiration by either myself or someone else in the group. Uh, By the way, which everyone's invited to participate, uh, leaders that want to grow. But inspiration meets motivation. and, And it's a great way to kick off a week. Uh, to take on whatever we may combat with this week. So uh, that's my uh, attitude of gratitude. So what what's on the docket today? What are we talking about? Well, I think your attitude of gratitude is perfect for our our topic today because we are going to be talking about how we navigate what we call suddenly. It's things that happen all of a sudden that we didn't plan for that in the back of our mind, we knew were possibilities, but maybe remote possibilities. And all of a sudden, they happened. They could be either good or bad. They could be that winning a lottery ticket, and you've played for 10 years and haven't won over $20, and then all of a sudden, bingo, you get the million-dollar winner. That happened to a relative of my wife's. And uh, we've been trying to get in touch for about 15 years, (laughs) but no, just joking. Uh, So that's a good suddenly. Uh, Suddenly could be uh, a friend that you'd lost contact with that makes the effort to come back home and renew the relationship. But then there are also suddenlies that are really hard suddenlies. You know, you get a message that there's an illness or... Mm an unexpected uh, bill or financial obligation, and you don't have the resources, and so you're going to have to find a way to make that work, those kinds of suddenlies can set you back. 
And um, most of us keep our own counsel. And by that, I mean, uh, as individuals, we know what we think about certain situations in life. But when it suddenly happens, it seems that we forget that because we're knocked off course. And we uh, sometimes act out of character because we didn't have time to think about it. And so it's important for us to understand who we are as people to integrate the good and the bad in our life and be ready for whatever may come our way. And that's what we're talking about today. How in the world do we do that? How can we bring ourselves to a point where we can remain calm and remain focused? Tom, I'm going to throw the ball to you. You know, I shared with you that I wanted this uh, topic to be discussed today. And then and then in that leadership think tank uh, that uh, we experienced, um, uh, one gentleman uh, got a phone call and uh, said, hey, uh, are you ready to take a baby? <laughs> Uh, the the mom was on drugs. The dad didn't want the baby, and so like that, they are foster parents. Wow. Um, you know, and that's a suddenly. I mean, they Big didn't see that coming down the the the, the pipe there. So it, it's it's something that just took place. It was unexpected. Um, of course, you know, uh, a tragedy um, like uh, my sister Susan. Cummings uh, was killed in a hit and run accident in uh, 2015. You know, you get a phone call and it just rocks your whole world. It changes the, changes the trajectory of your whole day, of your whole sure. week, or perhaps a month or several months in, in the grieving process and, and um, handling all the uh, um, her affairs and everything. And, and so, uh, you know, we never know what's going to happen uh, when it's a suddenly. But as you said, Ken, how can we better prepare uh, for those moments, those unforeseen moments that might pop up? How do we prepare for those? And, uh, and, and what do we do to keep our head in, in, the, in, in the midst of all of it? I think I've heard this, this expression before. Um, the leader uh, is really defined when there is a, a, a tragedy or a suddenly. That's when the real leader steps up. Uh, you know, when everything's going fine and everything's humming, you know, you don't really see the leader. But when something, you know, happens, then the leader steps up. And, and I just have this powerful memory of uh, uh, President Bush, when uh, after 9-11, and he stood up on the, the rubble of um, uh, Ground Zero, and he got on the, the megaphone and, and just said, I hear you, we hear you. And my point is, is that the leader stepped up in a moment that was crucial. The general approach, let's dive into that right now. The general approach is that things are going to come okay things are going to happen we are going to experience suddenlies whether we like them or not whether that un unexpected bill or or something as as ken mentioned but um, what can we do so one thing is to pause and gather our thoughts now some people are processors and they like to take a long time to process things but uh, let me give you a, a quick for instance. So uh, Saturday, we were uh, at my nephew's graduation party. 
and uh, my brother-in-law was putting away the, I think the sternals as they're called, the, that's had the little fire in them. Right. And it spilled and the table caught on fire. Nice. Now that's a suddenly, and that's something that you have to act in that moment uh, to divert uh, <laughs> what could be a tragedy. So he immediately went to work to gain control of this situation. And it wasn't like he could get on the phone and, and call the fire department, you know, <laughs> you know, as the, the table's catching on fire or Google it. What do I do to put out a fire? You know, that wasn't the time. The time was now. I had to act now. And uh, thankfully, he was able to get it all under control really quick. But uh, pause and gather your thoughts when you can. Um, uh, uh, assess the situation and prioritize. All right. So, for instance, I mentioned this friend of mine um, who ended up being a foster parent overnight. Um, you know, sometimes we're, we're figuring this thing out as we go. And, and so uh, there's not a lot of time to process beforehand because we're in the moment. But what do we do? And we take each moment as it comes. What about you, Ken? Well, as you're talking, uh, the, the first thing that comes to my mind, and, and I'll deal with a direct answer in a moment, but suddenly it can happen to anyone. But they most often happen to leaders. And the reason they most often happen to leaders is because of the basic rules of conflict management. Uh, and I'll draw that connection if I can just put it together. I didn't plan to say this, but one of the reasons that uh, conflict happens, and I know we're not talking about conflict, but I'm going to take that strategy of how it happens and uh, extrapolated over to where we are. <clears throat> conflict happens most often when you have more contact with more people. You have a greater opportunity for conflict just because of the sheer logic of the situation. You also have more possibility of conflict when you have a strong leader because people react to strong leadership, either positively or negatively. There's not a lot of middle of the road territory there. So taking those ideas and then bringing them over where we're, we are today and talking about suddenlies, leaders have more exposure to more people. Leadership is a contagious concept. And so if you are a leader, you attract people. You also repel people. And there's no two ways about it. Even Jesus said that uh, it's impossible that offenses do not come, but you're going to be happier if you don't play into it. So for us as leaders, just because we're leaders, we're going to find more suddenlies because we have people who look to us. We have people who depend on us. We have people who love us, and we have people that don't like us very much. And there's not a lot you can do about that except just be consistent and prepare yourself for those suddenlies. You mentioned George Bush, and just as you were mentioning him, I was thinking about the fact that COVID, the pandemic, was a suddenly. But it didn't have to be, because after 9-11, George Bush uh, became preoccupied with the possibility 
of a pandemic or of some sudden situation that could come on the country. <clears throat> and he spent all eight years of his tenure as a president preparing and modifying and uh, improving the nation's strategy for dealing with a sudden calamity. Hmm. And then when he was done, it was treasured. It was like, this is a sacred instrument. And so for the next administration, it was a Democratic administration, but George Bush was a, a Republican. The Democratic administration, Barack Obama said, that's pretty smart. I think we're going to keep that on the desk and add to it as we need to. But then as time went on, because it suddenly didn't happen, it just got pushed away and pushed away to the point that nobody knew where it was. And a suddenly took place. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a pickle. And it took a few years to get out of it because the strategy had failed. So I'm going to add something to what you have here. I think every leader should have a policy manual for the people that he works with, a way that things function. People respond to our decisions that we make if we turn on the blinker. They're not going to fall off the wagon. They're going to follow us. But if we do, if we never turn off, turn off on the blinker, if we never say, hey, we're going to turn over here, or we're going to go in this direction, People feel like suddenlies are happening all the time when in reality, it probably was part of the plan. So writing down a vision, writing down a strategy, writing down reactions to certain situations, I think is <clears throat> very important. And so um, a general approach that we might add to the things that you've said is to seek support from friends, family, and colleagues, not only when a suddenly happens, but as we're preparing for the possibility of suddenlies, because other people will see things that can happen. They can see holes in our plan that we don't see because we've come up with it. We have blind spots. Other people can see it. Leaders oftentimes are defensive about their plans. They don't need to be. The next uh, area is uh, adapting and adjusting as needed, adjusting your plan. So if you have a, uh, a playbook for a tragedy, a playbook for a success. You know, if you were to uh, study the people that have won the lottery, I used that analogy a moment ago, a lot of them are flat broke today because it had only been a pipe dream that they might have money. They had never spent any time preparing themselves for that possibility. Mm -hmm. When on the other hand, people who have succeeded in finance will tell you that wealth attracts wealth. And if you think with a mindset of the fact that you are a person who has the capacity to receive wealth, you're not going to be thrown off the boat when you receive the wealth that is coming your way. Tom? There was someone in our church years ago um, who was playing, I think, $50 a week. Uh, this is back 25 years ago or better. But $25, excuse me, $50 a week for 20 years mm -hmm. and finally hit the lottery and uh, gained 10 million. Woo! Um, and he was, he was an alcoholic. And when this happened, he changed his life. And it was actually 
uh, good for him. And he immediately put the invested the money away, set up a trust fund for his family. I mean, and he really did it right. But not a lot of people do it right, as you said. They're not. They're. I love that what you said. That a lot of times we're not prepared for even success when it comes. Right. So when right. I don't play the lottery, but if I was to play the lottery, I I need to prepare my mind and my heart for what happened if this would happen. What would I do? And and that's wonderful. You talked about having a, a playbook um, of what we're going to do in case this happens. Now, I share a lot in regards to forgiveness. Uh, I, I teach a lot about uh, forgiveness because it's such a powerful thing in our life. But I, I tell people we need to prepare for what we're going to do when we're offended. And, and how can we prepare for that? Now, oftentimes, an offense is a suddenly, mm -hmm. right? It, it happens when we least expect it from someone we least expect it to come from. And, and so when we get offended, we immediately um, raise up our defenses. And so um, how can we process going through, I actually like to, to, to liken it to a fire drill. You know, we practice fire drills in case of a fire. You know, I don't know about you, but in school, uh, you know, they had fire drills and we would mm -hmm. practice what we do in case of a fire. Well, I challenge people to practice what you would do if you were offended. And, and, and the key is, is to choose to forgive before you're offended. Mm -hmm. And so it's a practice that requires uh, practice. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. That's why it's called a practice. That's right. Certainly. And and so, um, and, and there's another good point that you brought up, and I, I want to bring this up. When it, it's not a fire, uh, as I mentioned with my brother-in-law and the sternals catching on fire there, when there's not a fire, but there's obviously a problem, go to someone who has um knowledge in the situation, someone that may be removed from from that specific situation so that you can get a clear perspective. Um, my former boss used to always say, you can't see the forest for the trees, mm -hmm. meaning that all we see is what's right in front of us and we don't see the bigger picture or see any way around that object that we're staring at. And so when there's a suddenly, all we can do is stare at that thing stare at that fire that's taking place and, and we don't have any perspective outside of that uh, too often unless we have a playbook or something of that nature but but to tap into someone who uh is wise and someone who can have uh, uh or give us counsel on what to do and help us to see that particular suddenly from a different perspective my 15 year old grandson about 12 years ago He's three years old, and the church had a fellowship at one of our newcomers' homes. They invited everybody over. They had a nice big home. Uh, they both had great jobs, and they had a lovely home. It was great. They had a, a lower floor uh, family room and recreation area, and it was enjoyable. And my grandson, Carter, who is, like I say, 15 now, so he was about three years old, and was downstairs. And uh, he noticed that there were curtains 
that were getting caught in a candle. He's three years old. Now, Carter, granted, is a little unusual in that um, he's smarter than the rest of our family put together. Okay, He's just really a bright kid. And uh, he saw that, and it was just starting to happen and burn up the wall, and everybody was playing games, and nobody noticed it. And Carter went over to the host, and he just tugged on the shirt tail of Mr. Dave, and he said, Mr. Dave, Mr. Dave, Mr. Dave, Mr. Dave. Dave looked at him and he said, what is it, Carter? He said, your basement is about to be on fire. I don't think curtains are supposed to fall in the candles. He was three. <clears throat> and they went down and those curtains had caught and they were starting to burn up the wall. And they were able to put that out immediately. Everybody was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Carter was three. He walked up to his dad and mom and he said, mom, dad. I don't think this is a safe place for our family. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> expects the host to move the candles by the curtains, but things can happen. Yes. And the only one that caught it was the three-year-old. So in that instance, he was our David with a sling and a few rocks. He saved all of us, right? So um, let's get back to what we're talking about here. We we need to take care of ourselves. Uh, and I think that this is a really important point. We can prevent um, the suddenlies from overtaking our lives and completely knocking us off course. If we take care of ourselves physically and emotionally, um, I'll share an instance with you from my own experience. Um, about three years ago, I wasn't, it was November. I was not feeling very well. I'd lost uh, 13 or 14 pounds in a matter of a week. So I knew that I either had something wrong with me or I had broke the code on weight loss and should write a book. I didn't, I didn't know what had happened, but we had a trip planned and I wanted to go on that trip to Tennessee to see my youngest daughter and her three children. And uh, <clears throat> so our two oldest kids and their uh, children live up here. Our youngest lives in Tennessee and they have three children. And so I didn't feel very great, and uh, but I went down anyway, got down there, and I felt weak, and I was, it just wasn't right. I didn't want to pick the kids up. That's really weird, because I'm always wrestling with the kids. I didn't, I was dizzy. Finally, after two days, I looked at my wife, and I said, I need to go to urgent care. Something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. And I went to urgent care and um, explained my symptoms. They took all my stuff, my blood, my samples, everything. And then they were left the room. They came back in and they said, Mr. Shelton, we need to discharge you here and send you over to the hospital because you are a medical emergency. I said, what? This is before COVID. And so it was four years ago. <clears throat> and I said, I'm a medical emergency. She said, yes, our glucometer, the instrument that reads your blood sugar goes to 500 and you went beyond the 500. Wow. I said, isn't blood sugar supposed to be around 100? He said, yeah. So they sent me over to the hospital. My blood sugar was nearly 700. Wow. And uh, I was in a very bad situation. They put me in um, an ICU, and they took uh, three or four days to get my blood sugar down to the 300s. <clears throat> and they sent me home. Up to that point, I had never had a blood sugar problem, never in all my life. So here I am all of a sudden at 66, 
and my blood sugar's out of control. I thought that it's type two diabetes. What is it? It was type one, which everybody thinks happens to kids. Type one diabetes. And here's why it happened. All of a sudden, my pancreas quit working. No tumor, no cancer, no other problems. It just said, I'm done, I'm out. It zipped up and went home and it wasn't producing insulin. So last night, my wife Kitty and I were playing cornhole. <clears throat> and, you know, we're tossing the little bags, the bean bags, and, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And about halfway through the game, I was having a hard time keeping score, which is something that, I mean, calculating numbers in my head is very easy for me. So what's going on? So we keep doing that. A few minutes, I said, I need to go in and check my sugar. My blood sugar was down to 53, <clears throat> which was so low that I was so dizzy. My heart was racing. It took an hour for me to stabilize my blood sugar and actually come back to my senses. I say that because we have abiding with us right now in our current situation, the potential for things that currently exist to go haywire. Uh, I heard years ago, somebody say present in every enterprise are the seeds of its own destruction. Mm. So for each of us, we have the possibility, but we get so excited about a thing, about a positive thing that we block out the negative possibility. I had a friend that used to remodel old cars <clears throat> and he had one an old Imperial that he loved and, uh, he had problems with uh, with it losing oil, and he tried everything he could. So he wound up just putting black duct tape over the oil light so it wouldn't bother him. We do that a lot. We just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. How many times have you said that? Don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I've got this plan. I think I can get over it when you probably can't. Mm -hmm. So we need to listen to that. So taking care of ourselves, knowing what the possibilities are. Those are all great things. So besides the practical perspectives, we have some faith perspectives. Jump in, Tom. Yeah, well, uh, because of time, we won't be able to, to finish this all up, but- uh, Tom, that happens every time you invite me on the show. Yes, because you know, I'll, I'll say this, that, um, you know, both scripture and life experiences tell us that there's nothing new under the sun, meaning that, and, and this is the other one history will repeat itself and and so we've got to if you take anything away from today's discussion take this away that it's it's time to prepare right it's time to prepare uh life insurance it's time to prepare don't put off life insurance oh i'm i'm only 35 years old i don't have to worry about that for another 20 years no you needed to do it when you were 20. <laughs> okay you need to prepare now, okay? So if there's things you've been putting off, prepare now because when this suddenly happens, there's not a lot of time to prepare. Well, we've got uh, just a few more minutes and I wanted to just uh, connect with you, Ken. You, you just celebrated a birthday and, and why don't you bring us up to speed really quick on what's going on? I know it's a real shock to everybody, but I'm 70 years old. I know, I know, hold your applause. I know I only look 40. So yeah, I had a 70th birthday and I'm excited to be writing for Pathios.com. It's one of the leading, uh, one of the top 10 religion sites on uh, Google, on the internet. And I say Google because they rank them. 
And so I'm glad to be doing that. It's called The Gathering Place. So if you just type in Ken Shelton, The Gathering Place, my uh, homepage will pop up and you can follow me and please subscribe and um, you can get my newsletters and be a favored supporter. And we appreciate that. And then also, if you go to KenSheltonMusic.com, you can find my album that I released last September, Legacy Songs for My Family, 13 songs I wrote for my wife, my daughters, and my 10 grandchildren, and it's doing well, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So those are the two things that are going on in my world. How about you, Tom? A lot of things going on, uh, you know, between ministry and uh, real estate and talking about real estate. Uh, I've got an offer in the, as I said to Ken this morning, I got an offer in the frying pan right now. Let's just hope it doesn't burn. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping that it comes out peachy. Uh, so uh, but if you are interested in buying or selling real estate, uh, you know, give me a call. And uh, and then for, you know, anything with uh, speaking, motivational speaking or coming into minister, uh, both Ken and I are available to do that sure. uh, and sing. Uh, so you can contact us at uh, you can contact me at Tom Ray Realtor uh, at Gmail dot com or five eight six two seven five seven seven three two. And we'd be happy to uh, connect with you and help you any way that we can. Uh, in your journey. And we'd like to hear about your suddenlies, right? And, and anything that you're challenged with, we'd like to hear about that today. And as well as your attitude of gratitude. Nothing changes your perspective in life like having an attitude of gratitude. And lastly, as I mentioned earlier, um, Leadership Think Tank is going on every Monday at 8 a.m. on Zoom. So wherever you're at, you can pop in for 10 minutes or the whole hour and just be inspired and motivated for your week. So with that, that wraps up this edition of Life, Love, and Leadership. Thank you all for joining us today.